want to continue today speaking on the Holy Ghost, on the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to just continue uh, uh, just kind of where we left off last week and just share, share different thoughts. God's doing a work in my heart, and I pray it would, would, would what he's doing in my heart would also uh, touch us as a church, not the steeple, but the people, and, and, and really impart something. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, if you're new to church and you go, man, I don't know what, uh, um, what it means to be the Spirit, just enjoy it. And, and again, too, I just pray, open your heart and just, um, th- this is what we're doing. What we're doing is speaking from thousands of years of history and thousands of years of uh, things that have impacted people's lives all over the world. In fact, a half a billion people in the world today process what we're talking about today, live out or try to, with God's grace, this in their lives. First Thessalonians 5 verse 19 says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't try and contain it. It says, do not stifle in another version. Do not restrain. Do not extinguish. Oh, my Lord, that we would extinguish the Holy Ghost. Have you ever thought about that, the fact that that's even a possibility, that we can extinguish the Spirit's work? In our life, the sovereign God, the, the, the third person of the Trinity, that we could actually affect his operation and work in our life. That's pretty amazing. That's mind-blowing. In the GWT version in the IS, ISV, it says this, First Thessalonians 5 verse 19, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Holy Spirit's fire. I want to say again today, today, if you're a believer here today, we need the presence and power of the Holy Ghost in our life. We need His presence and power at work. We cannot do this life alone. You try and do the Christian life with others, I tell you, it's just going to be hard. It's going to be hard yakka. So, so I want to, we, we need His presence and power in our life. And, and as I said last week, if, if Christ's disciples needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. You and I need the Holy Ghost in our lives. For the kingdom of God, it says in 1 Corinthians, it's not a matter of talk, but of power. Not a power to lord it over, but a power at work in our lives. So it's not just a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. His power at work in our lives. Scripture tells us of the day of Pentecost, which we're leading, leading up to. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came down. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Friends, I want to tell you, just a little reminder, do not forsake the meeting of your, or assembling of yourselves together. This is the important stuff. God does stuff when we gather together. They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled, not just the cool people, not just the trendy people. All people were filled, men and women, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Uh, when in Jerusalem a couple of years ago, we spent an afternoon at the Western Wall, which is uh, often called the Wailing Wall. I've shown some of these pictures before, but 
if you can remember, this is the most sacred site in all Judaism. This is where Jews from all over the world come, gather, meet. It was a special, a special time. It's the most holy site in all Judaism, for it is believed to be, this wall is, to be, to, is believed to be the base of what formed the Temple Mount, where the temple was built, the very sacred Jewish temple. And this grand temple for the Jew was the center of the world. You need to understand that. For the Jew, their, t- their temple was the center of the world. For, for within the temple walls, the Shekinah glory, God's Shekinah glory would reside. And I don't know if that's the way to pronounce it or not. That, that. I've heard different names and different, it was a spectacular building, but I've heard different names. But God's Shekinah glory would reside. What does Shekinah mean? What does that mean when you talk about the Shekinah glory? The, the Hebrew name for, for Shekinah is actually not in the Bible. It's not in the Scriptures. But what it describes is, it's a word that the Jewish rabbis used to describe the fact that God dwelt among His people. That God's manifest presence dwelt among His people. The word Shekinah is a Hebrew name meaning dwelling place or where one dwells. That's what it means. And, and, and when we speak of Shekinah glory, what does it mean? It means that, that it's the, the visible manifestation of God's presence on earth. And for the Jew, the temple was where God's manifest presence dwelt, the wailing wall Today, for the Jewish people, is the closest point. It's the closest point to where the most holy place once stood. And this is why millions of people from all over the world, for thousands of years, have made their way up to the holy city of Jerusalem and into the temple courts to be close to his presence. The temple was central to Jewish faith life, and worship. And it was this temple that Jesus called his father's house. And it was written of the Messiah, zeal for this house would consume him. Now situated in the courts of the temple was a large altar. And upon that altar of sacrifice, there burned a holy fire. This holy fire that burned on the altar of sacrifice was that which was a continuation of what was spoken of a few thousand years before in the book of Leviticus. If you're new to the Bible here today or visiting church today, Leviticus is one of the first five books of the Bible. These first five books combined are what the Jewish people call the Torah or the book of the law. Leviticus actually means, and he called, and he called, or the Lord called, which is when it, we think about it, Leviticus is referring to what? It is referring to the Levites, who were the tribe, the people who were called by the Lord to serve as priests in the Lord's house, in the Lord's temple. Numbers 8 verse 14, you are set. You are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites, and the Levites will be mine. 
And in Leviticus, God, through Moses, lays out to the called ones, the Levites, the duties that they are to perform in what was called then the tabernacle, which is just means tent. It's just a tent of meeting. A tabernacle sounds like a fancy word. It just means a tent. And that originally, as, as, as the years went on, what, 500 years, some 1,000 years, they ended up constructing the temple. It went from a tent to a temple. And in Leviticus, one of the most important duties they, the priests, had was to tend and take care of the holy fire. To take care of the holy fire that burns on the altar. In fact, Leviticus chapter 6, he mentions, God mentions how important this is. Not once, not twice, but three times. In verse 9, he says this. Number one, the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Two verses later, he says it again because this is so important. You've got to understand in Scripture when God wants to emphasize something, we might put it in bold or put exclamation mark. In the Bible, if you want to see what matters to God, he repeats it. He says something over and over again. And so a couple of verses later, number two, verse 12, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. Then it adds, it must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood. Then again, in the next verse, verse 13, number three, the fire must be kept burning on the altar. It's like we've got it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. Listen, continuously. Another version that says perpetually, which means unending. It must not go out. Now it said that God lit the original fire. This was all the duties they were to do. A few chapters later, those ceremonies begin. And God lights the fire. In Leviticus 9 verse 23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. Understand, God desires to bless. They bless the people. Friend, I know your life can be tough. I know your life can be difficult, but no, God's heart is to bless. They bless the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings, these sin offerings. Consume the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. God lit the fire. No wonder you had to contain it. No wonder you could not let it go out. So from these passages, what can we learn? That although God lit the fire, although God originally lit the fire, it was up to the priests to maintain it. It was up to the priest to fuel it. It was up to the priest to stoke it. It was up to the priest to get the wood to burn on the fire. And this never-ending, perpetual fire. It was their job to maintain it, guard it, protect it. It was a sacred fire. And listen, their, their, their task was not just don't let the fire die out. Their job wasn't just to let the fire not go out. Their job was to not let the fire grow dim. In fact, it was not even that. It was to keep the fire burning. It was not like, oh, well, it's just smoldering. 
It's just, yeah, oh yeah, there's a bit of flame there. We might, no, no, no. Their job was to keep the fire. The priest's job was to keep the fire burning, not just barely, but brightly. That was what God's heart was for the fire. Whatever else they did, and they had many duties, they had many things that they needed to take care of, many things that they needed to make happen, but whatever else they did, it was a priority to the priest. Among all their other things, to keep the fire burning bright. Now today, of course, the Jewish temple was no longer no longer there. It no longer stands in Jerusalem. The Roman Empire destroying it in 70 AD, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, as Jesus had foretold, which is another message. Now for us as Christians and followers of Christ, we know, because of things Christ said, that we don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship him. Jesus himself said, in John chapter 4, verse 21, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So for me, standing on that western wall, as I've said a couple of years ago, it was a very emotional time. But as I stood there, of course, I, I reflect differently than the Jewish person there. For me, the western wall is a place to thank God for what he did right there so I can worship him right here. So I can worship him anywhere. Because he's spirit. And I'm called to, I must, it says, Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Try and do worship without the spirit. But I share all that to remind us of two things today. Just two. That in the New Testament, under the new and better covenant, Number one, you are priests. You are priests. You might not feel like a priest. You might not look like whatever you think a priest looks like. But the Word of God declares that you're a priest if you're a follower of Christ. The Bible says, 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people. Thank you. We did not choose Him. He chose us. Come on, somebody. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Number one, you are priests. I want you to get that today. And number two, you are God's temple. You are God's temple. You are God's tabernacle, the place where he resides or desires to reside. In the ancient 
days in the book of Leviticus, the fire of God lit the fire on the altar. God himself lit the fire. And I want to say here today under the New Covenant and the New Testament at Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, when the Spirit of God came, the same God lit that fire in the early church today and it still burns among us. When tongues as of fire appeared to them and filled them, with the Holy Spirit, when tongues of fire, when His fire filled us, this tabernacle, understand this tabernacle is His dwelling place. Today you as a believer have a new covenant fire in you. You've got to understand that has been lit by God. But I want to say this, as it was for the priests then, so it is for you now. God lit the fire, but it is up to you to maintain it, stoke it, fan it, protect it, guard it. It is up to you to maintain the fire. This fire lit by God at Pentecost, it is up to you, the priests, God's chosen people, His royal priesthood, to maintain the fire that God sent from heaven and placed in your tabernacle. You've got to fuel it, tend it, protect it. And also, I want to say this, and not to just stop it from going out, the fire that's on the inside of you, is not to be protected just so it won't go out. It's not about, oh, well, I won't let it go out because sometimes we can let it get so low that it's smoldering and just smoke is there. That's not God's desire that it's barely going. I want to tell you, God's desire is not the fire and you would be a dim fire, that it would be a fading fire, but that it would be a fire that burns bright. It's our job, come on, to fan the fire as priests in our life. In our tabernacle, in our tent, in this temple, to not let it go out. How? By daily tending to the Spirit's fire. The priest every morning, it said in Leviticus, would place firewood on the fire to fuel the fire. We, I just want to remind you again, we must not quench but rather feed the Spirit's fire in our lives, in this tabernacle, in this tent, in this temple. So what should we do? How do we do that? Antoinette, or if you can just come. What should we do? I'm reminded of the story as I was preparing this of the two men on their way to Emmaus after... Christ's resurrection. They were walking and going on their way to Emmaus. And the Bible tells us, I'm, I'm just uh, uh, paraphrasing it to, to, together for, for time's sake. But the Bible tells us that Jesus appeared with them, and, uh, but their eyes were closed. They did not see who, that it was Jesus walking, the res resurrected Jesus walking with them. 
And as they spoke with him, able, unable to tell who he was, he, he, here's what Jesus began to do. He began, beginning with Moses, telling them all that's been written in the prophets and the books of the law, began to explain it to them. Everything about him that was written about him in the scriptures. And then it tells us as they broke bread. As they broke, as, as Jesus broke bread with them, it says suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then it says he disappeared from their sight. Last week we talked about weird things in the Bible. There's a weird thing. He just disappeared from their sight. And then they said this, listen. Were not our hearts burning? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? Were not our hearts burning as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts on fire? Want to know how to keep the fire burning bright? Do what these men did here. Number one, they spent time with Jesus. And number two, they opened the scriptures. Let that be the firewood that fuels your fire. That's why Anita, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Anita talked about praying or having your quiet time. Oh, I pray some things shifted. I mean, I was there. I needed to come on that altar call, but I was trying to finish off the service. We need to shift things and change things in our lives. See, the priests had many duties, but their most important duty was to tend the fire. Don't let the fire grow dim. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire die down. Tend the fire. You might have a hundred things, and I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I don't know what you fill your life with. There are so many things to fill your life with, but I want to tell you, make sure you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Make sure you allow the Holy Ghost to fill your life and to transform it and to change it. priests would actively work to ensure the fire would stay ablaze. Do you? Priests of God, should you? Could you? That's a challenge today. I don't know about you, but I want the fire of God to burn in my, my life. And I, I can, it so easily can go, you know, all, you know what you have to do to let a fire go out? Nothing. Nothing. Just do nothing. If you're a fan of the flame, prepare. Get the wood. Get it ready. Whatever it is, the scripture. Spend time with him and fuel the fire that God that is within you. Do not neglect, quench, or put out the Spirit's fire. The fire that God lit on Pentecost. Let it burn on not out in Jesus name would you stand God we so desire you Holy Ghost we so desire Father fresh and filling of your spirit 
know, we sang that song a couple of weeks ago, Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright in me. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. Friend, I want to tell you this God lights the fire, but we must maintain it. And, and I know just because we're human, I know there'll be people in here today and you'll be saying, my fire's nearly gone out. I'm doing nothing to maintain it. But I want you to be aware today of your responsibility as priests in the house of God to maintain the fire. Because if we come here into a place like this and we gather and, we're, and I'm on fire and you're on fire and, and the Holy Ghost is, is at work, who knows what could happen. But even if nothing happens, it is still our responsibility to let the fire of God burn bright that He lit some 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. That fire still burns in us today. Don't let it go out. Don't let it go dim. Let it burn bright. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Fresh fire. Fill every cup that it might runneth over. We need to touch your spirit. Lord, may we daily maintain. May we change the things we're filling our lives with and allow your spirit to fill us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Friend, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never said, God, I'm tired of doing it my own way. God, would you come? Understand the Holy Ghost even is here now. And we'll respond to such a prayer. How do I get right with God? It's just by saying, God, I need you. God, I can't do this on my own. Change my life. Fill me. Turn from my sin and turn towards you. Give me strength to live this life out. Do that and start the walk and begin the journey. Your life will change forever. But I pronounce this over you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.